0: The next stage is when they actually reach out to you and how you reply to them and buckets that those comments fell into were first that it was generic and then had no personality um that you had left questions unanswered that you didn't respond quickly enough um had errors in those that you were too bu- pushy believe it or not and again the bridal bias and lgbtq sensitivity so um speed came up a lot you'd be amazed how many people said, you know, few days, few weeks, a month, or not at all? I'm sorry, you can't take a few weeks, much less a few days, to yeah. actually reply to inquiries.
1: That was a snippet from today's episode. Welcome to the Wedding Video Boss podcast, where we talk about the business of being a wedding creative and also a peek into my world as a wedding videographer. I'm your host, Paul Santiago, and today is Monday, which means it's time for another masterclass. That also means you need to bring out your notepad, your pen, your tablet, or whatever quill you use to take notes because you're not going to want to miss this one. Your instructor for today is Bethel Nathan, and she's here to talk about why clients don't book you. I promise you, there's so much data that she's gonna to present to you that you may need to hit pause for some of it just so you can take notes. Okay, I think she's almost ready, so let me give you a head start to grab that coffee or any warm alcoholic beverage, and let's start the class. Bethel Nathan is a successful business owner and award-winning efficient, and she knows how to build and run a successful wedding industry business having married over 900 couples since launching almost 10 years ago, and building up to over 300 five-star reviews. Combining her background in both large Wall Street investment banks and small business, Bethel also enjoys helping other wedding industry businesses grow and prosper as a business coach and industry speaker, and as a wedding wire education expert. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now and get straight to it. Friends, let's welcome Bethel Nathan. Hey, Bethel. How's it going? Hey, Paul. Good, how are you? Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: I really appreciate this. And I really appreciate the time that you gave me. So first, before we start, I want the listeners to kind of get a feel of who you are and what you do. So tell us something that people probably don't know about you.
0: What people probably don't know about me. There are two things that seem to surprise people the most. So I'm going to go with two. The first is that I speak Japanese. So they don't usually expect the green-eyed, curly-haired, chick to speak Japanese. But um, I uh, studied Japanese in college and in business school and lived in Japan three different times. So I do still speak Japanese. Um, I don't speak it as well, certainly as I used to when I was living over there, but I still love freaking out Japanese tourists who do not expect it from me. And it's especially fun when I officiate a wedding where one one of the partners in my couple is Japanese American because their family never expects to hear from me. So that's a lot of fun. That's cool. Thank you, I, and then the second thing is that I spent nine years on Wall Street working for two large investment banks, so um that was in Tokyo, New York, and london and uh, that 's not usually the predecessor to a wedding industry life, so but
1: it's something that's good to have, right?
0: I definitely think so. I learned a lot, and I bring a lot of those skills and a lot of that experience to my businesses now they for sure
1: so you know, I feel like I actually hit the jackpot here. <laughs> (laughs) awesome awesome so okay now that we've done that i wanted to ask you how you got into the business and what you're up to now
0: for sure thank you um you know i wear well technically three hats in the wedding industry now the third one is the newest one but the two that most people know me from the first hat i wore is that i'm an officiant in san diego and i marry awesome couples and I'm not kidding. I try really hard not to marry them if they're not awesome together because it makes a difference for me. Um, but I launched Ceremonies by Bethel about just about 10 years ago. I'm just about to hit my 10th in May, which is really cool. And I'm about to hit 900 couples, which is pretty amazing. And especially when I do hard, try hard for them to all be awesome. So I... Came to the business in, in you know, I was going to say an unusual way, but I think a lot of people in our industry did where we helped somebody and realized it was a fit for us. In my case, um, 14 years ago, 14 and a half years ago, my brother and sister-in-law who are from two different religious backgrounds and neither one religious at all, were looking for who could be the one to marry them. And they knew I had a background in public speaking from my Wall Street days. So getting in front of people to do that was not a scary thing for me. And I really spent about six months figuring out what a meaningful ceremony should be about because I I knew how important this was and researched traditions from both of their backgrounds. And um, I never thought I'd do it again, to be honest. I mean, I loved it. It was great. I was, they were thrilled with it, but it's still, I mean, I was a business person and I was moved back from London and I was running my family's small business at the time. And then about a year and a half later, two other good friends asked me to do both of their weddings. And again, both were from interfaith backgrounds, not religious at all, and couldn't find the right person to speak for them. And so I did both of those. And a lot of people there were like, wow, I loved your messaging on marriage and love and commitment. And could I come hear you speak somewhere? Are you a pastor, a rabbi, something? And I said, oh, no, I'm a business person. And they're like, well, maybe you should think about doing this because I just loved your messaging and how you presented it all. And so at that point, I was thinking of starting something for myself. And so I spent probably about six months researching the wedding industry and how many weddings are there? Is there a space for me? Is there a space for someone like me who's non-religious and non-traditional? And um, I... uh created a business plan and a marketing plan and launched just about 10 years ago. So it's been a super fun journey. And I was somebody who marriage equality was always very important to. I was always celebrating all couples that was just part of who I was and what my business was about. And starting about 5 years ago, um, so the trajectory, let me just tell you. So my first year, I did 12 weddings. Second year, I did 71, then 107, 118. And then when marriage equality came back to California in 2013, I did 138 weddings that year. Wow. And then 127 in 2014, which was still a year when you had a lot of states that did not have marriage equality. So a lot of couples still came here. Um, and it was just, it was too many weddings. I love my couples. I don't want to do it any other way than custom and for them and said, I just, I can't keep doing this. And I also at the same time had found myself doing a lot of coaching one-on-one with my colleagues here in San Diego where, you know, you become friends with people from all different sectors of the industry and just naturally trying to help them with their business. And I was amazed at the things that I brought with me coming from the business world that were a given in my business that these people who are talented and passionate and creative did not have. And so I found myself kind of helping a lot of that and starting to speak at industry conferences and at industry events and like, why am I not doing that for real? So I decided to dial back on the number of weddings. And so I went from that 138, 127 to doing about 75 to 80 now, which is still more than some categories would ever consider, but for officiant is not as full as my calendar could be. And um, I started doing a lot more coaching and speaking. And uh, so that's what I do a lot of. Probably about a quarter of my time now is coaching wedding pros from all over the all over the world, I should say, but all over the country, um, one-on-one on different things about their businesses and things that they could use my help on. And then three quarters of my time is pretty much doing weddings still and marrying awesome couples. So it's a, it's a good mix. Um, I'm a wedding wire education expert. And so that's something I've started to do a lot more. Stuff with Wedding Wire and uh, helping to educate wedding pros is definitely a passion of mine.
1: That's actually perfect timing because when I was looking for people to talk to and, you know, talk about business, I saw that your specialty is something that's very not only timely, but it's a big issue all the time because right now we're recording this in February. So it's usually the slow season for most of wedding vendors. And this is the time where you get a lot of uh it's we call it booking season for us for videographers because this is the time when they start to like I don't know if it's because of the pre-tax returns or something but this is booking season so we get a lot of inquiries and emails but the thing is not not everyone responds or they always say that oh there's someone someone else that's cheaper and it's just so heartbreaking because you know as a small business you kind of like need <laughs> depend on that, and you know when you when you see your year and you you stagger all the bookings, it's harder for a small business to survive. So that's why I wanted to talk to you about this one, and I am so excited to talk to you about your topic,
0: which Thank is. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, it it's interesting that you say that, you know, now is sort of the slower season and 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 it is for for a lot of us. It's for fewer weddings, but a lot more inquiries. You're absolutely right. And I think it's a combination of two things. There's no doubt that engagement season is largely between Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day. Um 40% of people get engaged during that period of time. Um but I think what you also have especially for you know, when couples get engaged, they book the venue first and and certain categories up front. And then there's certain categories that come a little later in the process, usually in their mindset. And I think for a lot of us, what happens is that on January 1st, these couples wake up and go, holy cow, I'm getting married this year now. It's no longer next year. And so I think you have this, wow, So you have plenty of couples who proactively planned. So for instance, for their 2019 weddings, they booked us in 2018. I mean, I ended the year with about 32 bookings. And so there are plenty of those that do plan ahead. And then there are those that in January, all of a sudden are kind of sort of scrambling and realize that they're getting married in this calendar year now. And so I think that's why you start to get a lot of that. Um, You know, I think it's important in your business to know typically when people book you, um, what months of the year do they typically come to you? How far ahead are you booked? I know that my average is seven and a half months out, but that also means that I have couples who book me a year to 15 to 18 months out. And I have couples who come to me two and three months out. Now, I also know that being who I am and the reviews I have, if you try to get me two with three months out, most likely I'm saying no, cause I'm already booked. Um, sometimes people luck into it. I just got an inquiry today for a May Friday. I'm happy to be open. I'm booked on Saturday, but I'm open on Friday. So um, you just totally never know. And so, uh, yeah, it's very typical for us. The great part of this time of year is it gives us a chance, though, to step back and think about our business and our processes. And and you know, I think goals tend to be overused and people panic at the idea of goals. But it's important to know where you want to go. And it's important to even if it's just how many weddings I want to do next year or I want to gain 10%, whatever it is, be... Be simple and, and excited about whatever it is that you choose. Don't freak yourself out with it. It doesn't have to be some big life-changing thing, but you need to kind of know what you're looking for. Um, so yeah, this topic that that, that we were going to talk about today um, is something that I created for last year's Wedding MBA. And, um, and officially, the topic is called Cold Shoulder, Why They Don't Book You. And what I really wanted to do was swap it around to why they should book you and what are all the things that you can to get them to book you. And one of the things that I talk a lot about when I speak or when I work one-on-one with people is the customer experience. Because people so focus on being awesome at what they do, which is hugely important because yes, that's what the client is hiring for. But the customer experience can be the thing that turns a three-star review into a four-star review, a four-star to five-star review. That can be the thing that gets people raving about you, not just what you do. I hope you're great at what you do, but being fantastic to work with makes a huge difference. And so the customer experience really starts from the moment that they find you until one of two things happens. Either they stop working with you, which means they don't hire you, or you stop working with them. You've already done whatever it is that they're hiring you for or purchasing from you. And that customer experience is guided through your systems and your processes. So the path that they walk down on that customer experience, your processes do that and your systems is what allow you to have those processes. So, normally when I talk about it, I kind of talk about the whole realm. And today we're just going to talk about that whole process of when they find you until they actually book you. And I broke this down into five stages because I thought it would be really helpful. And so we're going to break it up into um, when they find you and reach out because there are people who are probably finding your website and finding your social media and are never even getting in touch with you and you don't even know it. So that's kind of stage one then when they actually reply and when they get in touch with you. And so why are you losing them in that initial reply? Um, Why are you losing them in that pre-meeting communication? Why are you losing them um, during the meeting or site visit or proposal or whatever it is you do? And then why are you losing them afterward? Um, And I want to tell you before wedding MBA, before I spoke on this, I surveyed about a hundred couples. I wanted to get real quotes and real comments and real feedback from couples as to, and I told them to take a look at every category, obviously not just me as an officiant. And they were giving me feedback on kind of everything venues, photographers, videographers, everything. It was super, super important to hear. Um, so I'm going to share with you a whole bunch of quotes and a whole bunch of feedback from them as I talk about this.
1: Sweet.
0: And it was, it was eye opening. Let me tell you. Um, So little of it was a shock, but it was great to reinforce what we've already thought from a gut. So it's really cool to see. Um, So first of all, it's really important to remember that the customer experience has to meet or beat their expectations. So it has to be set based on your ideal client. Each and every one of us probably has a different style or a different client that we love working with. And if you don't know who your ideal client is, let's please talk about that offline and get in touch with me because you can't be perfect for everybody. You can't, you can't rock the world of every single person who comes your way, um, both from a style and, and, and customer service and price and everything. And if you instead market yourself and message yourself so that the right people find you and come to you, you will be able to rock their world a heck of a lot better, which leads to raving reviews, great word of mouth, and you all having a happier experience. Um, I will never tell anybody that a specific business model is wrong, but I will tell you that certain business models aren't profitable or fun. And so it's important to look at whatever it is that you do because your customer experience has to be based on that. Um, For instance, a lower budget or a higher budget. Your customer experience should be different. If you're someone who does a lot of weddings and charges very little for each... That should be a different experience than somebody who does fewer weddings and charges more. Your client has different expectations justifiably and you need to meet or beat their expectations. Um, Definitely need to be thinking about for millennials. And as I said, I work with a lot of LGBTQ couples and it's important also to be thinking about your customer experience from their perspective as well. So ultimately at the base of all of the customer experience is one of my favorite quotes ever from Maya Angelou. I've learned that people will forget what you said people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. We have to remember that this industry is personal. Weddings are personal. This is not just a transaction for them, and it shouldn't be. And it can't just be a transaction for you. Or if it is, they're going to feel it. And so they need to know that you actually care about what they're going through and what they're doing, because this is very personal. So um, it's incredible how it makes a difference how you make them feel. We are going to talk about numbers as well today because it is important to kind of know your ratio and where they drop off along the way. But um, but let's dive in. So that first slice of time is when they find you and actually choose to contact you. Um, I found that a lot of their comments and a lot of their feedback fell into six buckets. The buckets were about your website, about pricing, about reviews, Fit and style, definitely referrals, and the LGBTQ experience. So website came up way more than you can ever know. They are judging you and thinking about what it is that you are showing them, and you need to understand that. Um, And the amount of times I heard outdated, please have your website done by a pro and edited by a pro. And it's not that difficult to do anymore. Um, Please make sure that it's updated regularly. The way that you approach things are different. Um, It's important. They shouldn't go to your website and immediately think that you don't get it. Especially, let me also remind you, this is a weird industry. It's one of the few where every single year we get older, but our clients stay the same age. Right. If you think about that, like every single year, our clients are in a certain age range, but we get older. And so experience is awesome. Be seen as not relating to them is not awesome. So you need to be sure that you're seen as relevant and getting them. But the experience is important. So outdated The number of errors that people commented on, spelling and grammar and broken links. Go through your website periodically and make sure that none of your links are broken. Um, It's easy enough to do. And please, even if English is not your native language, just ask somebody to read over your website. A lot of us would be happy to do that. Think about what you're communicating and your spelling and in your grammar. And um, it's really important that you get that right because they will judge you and never even reach out. Um, tough to navigate. Again, this is the whole modernization. You need to be sure that that it is ready. I will add that it needs to be, be sure that you are mobile, that you're, you have to understand your statistics. And if you're not looking at your Google Analytics, um, that is important to do. And see how, what percentage of your couples are finding you on mobile. Mine is about 40%. About 40% of my couples are on my website or inquiring couples or investigating couples. About 40% are using via mobile. So it's very important that your mobile experience is a good one or they will drop off and never even contact you. Um, and Google is also starting to rank based on mobile first now. It used to be that they would rank SEO based on your website. And as long as you did have a mobile-friendly website, now it's the other way. They're actually looking at the mobile experience first and then your desktop because they know that more and more people are using mobile first. So please do not discount that. Um, I also heard that they couldn't find information they were looking for. Please understand this is especially about pricing couples need to understand what it's going to cost to do business with you. Now, I totally understand not having all of your prices on your website. I understand how it can be difficult to have specific prices based on what you do. But pricing is something couples need to know because they are spending a lot of money on this wedding. And it's probably one of the biggest purchases they've ever made in their life. And they have no idea what things should cost. Um, We know that their budgets often are set in weird ways. They find stuff online and it's kind of crazy as to how they choose numbers, but they do. They have these numbers. They have something in mind. Um, Couples also regularly overspend their budget. So don't ever think that they're locked in. If they see value in you, they will overspend their budget. If they don't see value in you, why would they? So understand pricing is important. I did an entire presentation for Winning MBA the year before just on pricing and communication strategies. Um, And we could talk about that another time if you want. But um, it's important that pricing matters. So even if you just put a range on there, even if you have a starting at, if you have some sort of sense of what it is, um, now let me tell you, if you do a starting at, but your actual price you typically charge is nowhere near that, that's not fair. Because you're just gonna annoy people and you're gonna waste your time with people who thought that that was gonna be your price. Um, oftentimes a range makes more sense and even better is a range plus an average spend. So if you said that our clients typically spend between seven fifty and twenty five hundred with us, but the average client is about twelve fifty. Then they have a sense of what they probably should expect of working with you. They need to know. And it does just because they ask how much is it doesn't mean they can't afford you. It just means that they actually need to know. So um, the more information you can give them upfront on that the better. Okay, um, I actually sorry I actually no
1: uh, remembered my interview with Jeremy Chow. We were talking about pricing and he said, your price is actually your brand. So make sure that whatever you post online about your price, it's going to be a reflection on you. So my question is, what if, because for us, we don't really post our prices online, but I was thinking, what if our work and our website, would that be enough for people to think that, oh, they probably charge a lot. Or is, is there like a distinction from the client's point of view that when they see a website, they're going to be like, oh, they're probably cheap. We could probably afford them or they're probably like we could afford them because they're, they're higher end.
0: Well, that's a really great question. And I'll say two things about that. One is that they're going to make assumptions if you do not tell them. They're going to make assumptions in all sorts of ways. They might assume that you're cheaper than you are, and they might assume you're more expensive than you are. If you do not t- give them any sense of it, they might say, wow, he's awesome. I can't afford him. And you're like, actually, you could have, but they have no idea. Um, I like to relate it to, remember back when we were getting out of college and that it was the debate, do you put your GPS on your resume or do you not? I mean, you, did you put your GPA on your resume or do you not, right? Um, the job the recruiter is going to make an assumption on your grades. And if you do not have your grades on there, they assume it's probably too low and that you're not proud of that. Um, In this case, they're going to assume that you're too expensive for them. Um, They're going to make assumptions, give them a legit something. Now there's no question when they look at the quality of your work, they should know that you're not a bottom price videographer, but how you choose to price yourself is completely your call. And somebody who is the same quality and what they show on their website might choose to price themselves very differently than you do, higher or lower. And but yet they're going to make assumptions if you do not tell them. So I highly, I highly recommend that you give them something. Okay. So you know, and even if you have it where some of the videographers, um, when I when I did that topic at Wedding NBA last two, two years ago. Um, Shannon, who runs the conference specifically asked me to look at all different categories and have screenshots. And so I did. I took screenshots of all sorts of different categories. And a couple of the videographers that I work with regularly down here in San Diego were one of the ones that I had in there. And it was interesting to show, um, uh, for the most part, they showed packages plus a la carte add ons. And I think that that worked out really, really well because there's no doubt people Want to feel like they're not paying for something they don't need, so they want to feel more control over it. But on the other hand, just giving them too many choices or all a la carte is overwhelming when they have no idea what they need. You are the expert, and you'd have a set. You you know a lot more of what they need, so you are doing them a favor by putting them into batches. And then, but yeah, they can add on to. Do they want additional? videos for grandparents. Do they want certain things? You know what additional add-ons. And you can let them know, hey, I can be flexible. If there's things you don't need, we can talk about it. But you're actually doing them a favor by putting them into batches like that. Um, So I would say help them out a little bit and give them a sense of what it's going to cost.
1: We actually believe that you shouldn't limit your client's spending power.
0: So no we, question. We
1: make sure that they have all the information they need to be able to purchase whatever they want.
0: Correct. And, and there's, there's a lot of psychology involved with packaging too. A lot of people will naturally choose the middle package or the second from the top, depending on how many you have. They, most people don't want to feel that they're doing the bottom package. Cause they're like, Oh no, no, we're not bottom people. We could afford more than that. Um, and they usually feel like the average probably says that's what most people do. um, But there's also some people who are going to happily take your top package. And so I'd recommend that you think of when you create that, what would you typically want to do for, let's say, a package one, two, three, and maybe even create a package four that is so over the top for things you will do. You will, I don't know, you're going to wander around with them with a camera for a week or something and film them. You know, what is something that would be so crazy over the top? Have fun and kind of put that on there too. You never know. Someone could take you up on it, right? Um, is there something over the top you've always wanted to do? You never know. But most people are going to probably go with those ones in the middle. That's usually the psychology. Um, make sure you don't have a low package you're not willing to do because that's crazy. That's not fair either. Um, you shouldn't have... They shouldn't feel that you're just continuing to upsell them when that is a package you're offering. So make sure it is something you're comfortable doing for somebody. Now, there can be packages that you say, hey, maybe these packages are only available December, January, and February—that's fine. Or you can have certain pricing, or it's not a Saturday. Saturdays are only these. You know, just think about what it is that you're doing and saying there. Um, yes, we can only be in one place at one time on Saturdays, and and we can only book a single wedding for a time or whatever. But don't be kind of crazy about limiting people necessarily. Now it is absolutely hey, this package is this price on Friday, this price on Saturday, this price on Sunday. That is totally legit and fine. Just uh be thoughtful about how you're
1: doing it and why. Sorry, I veered away from your the, not, from no, the website. No, 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 so no, no. Not continue. not whatsoever.
0: <laughs> and that and, and that is super important. That's why I spoke a whole forty-five minutes on pricing strategies and how do you communicate pricing. They also these couples also said on your website that it didn't show the style and fit and approach that I was looking for. This is both a good thing and a bad thing. It's really important that you make sure that you're only showing stuff that you want to do. Now, if there's something that a client wants that is not your style, you can still do it for them and take care of them, but it doesn't mean you have to show it in your portfolio, right? And so if it's not something that you want to do again, don't feel that you have to show it, but do make sure that what you are showing is an appropriate reflection of your style and your approach, because that's what couples are going to be attracted to you. With that, it's really important that you do service LGBTQ couples and modern couples that you don't show a bridal bias. Um, It drives me crazy looking at websites, and I hear from a lot of my couples that it's just bride, 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 bride. These are couples; there are two people involved, no matter what gender they are. You also have to remember that um, that a lot of your modern couples, even if they're straight, probably have a lot of people in their life who are not necessarily, and so they want to know that they you will be comfortable working around their family and friends and that they will be comfortable having you as a part of their experience. And so just think about your verbiage everywhere. You can use brides and grooms and that's fine, but um, couples is always a very comfortable thing to do. So think about what you're doing. Um, When it also is verbiage, think about being personal. It's, it's, you heard a lot that it was, there was no pictures of who the team is, that it was very, um, you know, Uh, the team or we, but it never mentioned names and it didn't have personal. There's people behind your business and couples are gonna be dealing with those people. Help them to see that. It's I and we and you and together and they wanna know who's behind the scenes of what they're gonna do. Um, I also heard a lot that it was tough to inquire. Please remember that you wanna make it easy for them to reach out to you because if they don't, you never even have a chance to sell them. They, You have no opportunity to talk to them to make a connection, everything, if they don't even reach out to you. So you need to have a balance on your contact form between information you're asking for and simplicity. Understand that for every additional field you require or ask for, you are lowering the chance that they're ever going to fill it out. So my recommendation is to ask for the bare minimum you need. What do you need? Person's name and email and the date or whatever it is. Uh, do you need to know where it is? You know, think about what is absolutely required for you. Everything else can be gotten in a conversation by email from there because you don't want them to be intimidated and never even bother submitting. Now, on the other hand, if your ideal client is someone that is very specific and you're okay scaring most of the rest of the people away, that's fine. One of my favorite wedding planners has a longer and more complicated inquiry form has a lot more for personality she's asking for a lot more information about their weddings because her couples are going to be fine with that. And she's okay if she scares away others. So just understand that you're making a choice when you're doing that. Just also, it's important to make it easy to inquire from having multiple methods available. So it drives me crazy when I go to a website for a wedding pro and all that's on the website is a contact form. There's no email address. There's no phone number they might just want to email you a fellow wedding pro might want to email you. I don't want to submit a contact form when I am a pro asking for a video or pictures afterward, because when I get that inquiry, I'm like, Ooh, an inquiry. And then I read through and go, Oh, it's a wedding planner asking if I'm available on that date. My email address is right there on the page. Why didn't you just email me? But a lot of pros do not do that. Make it easy. Have multiple ways to actually get in touch with you. Don't force that form. Um, I also want to just take a second to remind you that your website is the only place that you actually fully own. So you control what content is on there and you also own it. Now, if your web host goes down, you have a problem and all that kind of stuff, but you still technically own that. Social media is awesome. You don't own it. At any point in time, Facebook, Instagram, any of those could go away because think of all the people who built businesses on MySpace, right? If The platform's gone. There's nothing you can do about it. So while you can control content usually on there, you do not own the platforms. You also don't own the algorithms, So you can't even choose how people are seeing your stuff necessarily. You could pin a post um, in on Twitter and Facebook, but you don't necessarily, you can do highlights on Instagram, but you're not necessarily fully controlling how people see it. When they come to your website, you are controlling what they see and in what order and how. Um, and online listing, same thing. I mean, the, the blogs that have gone away recently and people built a huge part of their presence by having real weddings and and listing things on there. And yet those are gone. There's only so much you can do and control. So I encourage you to spend more time on your website presence than you probably currently do because you control it and you own it.
1: Actually, I just remembered whenever I see someone, a thing now, I think it's because of the rise of Instagram. The thing now is people don't, they don't bring business cards with them. They always say, what's your Instagram handle? And then they just add them on Instagram or follow them on Instagram. And it always makes me nervous because, yeah, you're right. What if Instagram becomes like MySpace? Then what? What happens to your whole client base? What happens to your following? It's just going to disappear. So you're right. Having the website, that's the only thing that you can own.
0: Yeah, I've actually been amazed at certain... Um, pros who don't even have a website, all that it links to is a Facebook page or an Instagram page. I'm like, wow, that's just, that's just dangerous. Um, and you know, why would you do that to yourself? It's not expensive to have a website, it's not expensive to set one up, a pretty basic one. And it's, you know, as much as I said earlier, have a pro do it. If it's a matter of not having one and having one, just do one and make sure it's there and just worthy of you, but make sure that you don't ignore that. So, I totally agree with you. And then the last thing that came up in that initial stage was about reviews that you know you have to remember that there's testimonials on your website, but you're picking and choosing what's on there. Reviews that are on external sites are much more trusted because you don't have any control over what's on there. Now that's good and bad. You can't control what people are saying about the reviews on you technically. However, you can control that through your customer experience. The better you are to work with and the better you are at what you do, the more likely that those reviews are going to be things that you're excited about people actually saying about you. So it's very important to set those expectations properly, meet and exceed them, and then you will have those reviews. With those reviews, people are seeing if they saw very few of them. It's important to ask for them in multiple places because couples might come across WeddingWire first, love WeddingWire style, and never even go on to the other platforms. And so they wouldn't find you if you're not gathering them there. The not Yelp. Google reviews, whatever it is that what people are finding, I found my Yelp couples are Yelpers. They use Yelp for everything. Well, they never even saw the reviews that I had on Wedding Wire. So it's important that you're asking for reviews in multiple spaces, in multiple places, so that way couples have a chance to find you. And you also need recent reviews. If they haven't seen reviews on you, if you have none for the last six months or year, they wonder if you're still in business, are you still any good? And so recent reviews are just as important as quantity, um, I definitely get that for my couples cause I'm nearing 300 on wedding wire. And oh. so they're like, yeah. So they're like, do I still, do you still need more? And I'm like, you need to understand that recency is just as important as actually the number that I have. So those are all the things that the couples said upfront. So again, it's your website. It's, it's understanding pricing. It was the style didn't fit having bridal bias and your reviews. Um, the next stage is when they actually reach out to you and how you reply to them. And buckets that those comments fell into were first, that it was generic and then had no personality, um, that you had left questions unanswered, that you didn't respond quickly enough, um, had errors in those, that you were too pushy, believe it or not, Um, and again, the bridal bias and LGBTQ sensitivity. So um, speed came up a lot, you'd be amazed how many people said you know few days, few weeks, a month, or not at all? I'm sorry, you can't take a few weeks, much less a few days to yeah. actually reply to inquiries. Um, now, I am not of the belief that it has to be within five minutes, and if a couple is choosing the very first officiant who answers, they were never my couple understand, but I make sure to make, to reply by the end of that day. By the time I go to sleep that night, I make sure that I've replied. Now, if I'm at home and at my desk or around when an inquiry comes in, I'm going to reply immediately, of course. I'm not holding off on it just for the sake of it, but I am making sure that I am still replying in a timely manner. So, and that's what's important is a reasonable period of time. Be sure you reply to them.
1: Yeah. You couldn't believe how many bookings we had just solely based on the 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 speed of how we replied and it's all because of we have a we have a CRM which is a customer relations management software and it's called Honeybook it's an app where we get an inquiry from the website it goes straight to the app and with just one click of a button we send them the brochure and then even if it's midnight we just send them the brochure and then they just they always are very grateful that we responded like really quick and they yep. appreciate that
0: I fully agree. And I uh, one of the things that I work a lot of one-on-one with my coaching clients on are finding the right CRM system for them. So some of my clients are HoneyBook. Some are 17 Hats. Um, I happen to use Pixify, actually, for mine. So I used to be on ShootQ, which was for photographers. And I just this year moved over to Pixify, which is more meant for photographers. But a lot of the rest of us in other sections are on that. As a, For my coaching business, I'm on 17 Hats. So if you work with me as a coach, you'd get... You'd get emails and contracts from 17 Hats. But for my wedding business, I use Pixify. And I agree fully. Um, For me, it's really important, though, that I edit and personalize that template email. So I do not... It's in my system and ready to go. But I personalize in any way, shape, or form with anything that I could possibly tell them. And that's what's important um, based on the fact that it was generic. No personality came up a lot. They felt they were getting canned emails. They felt like questions weren't being answered. You can't do that understand that templates are prep work. They are not your final product. I live for my templates in my system. I absolutely live for them. And I'm constantly creating new ones because if I'm constantly answering the same thing over and over again, why would I not have it set and ready to go? But I personalize it in any way. So if the inquiry comes in and they tell me how they found me, I'm always mentioning it. I'm so glad that that wedding planner sent you my way. I love working with her. Now, if I didn't love working with that wedding planner, I'm still going to acknowledge I'm so glad that you know, Jenny sent you my way. And that's all I'll say. I'm not going to lie if I don't like working with them, but I do say something if I can help it. Or I'm so glad Jenny sent you my way. She always knows who my favorite couples are. That's a legit thing to say without me actually lying. I'll personalize it anyway. Their venue, I will say, oh, I was just there for a wedding two weeks ago, or I was at a, I, it's a beautiful there that time of year, or their ceremony spot is such a gorgeous spot. Anything I could possibly say about that venue in a, you know, again, in a non weird way, you don't want it to feel awkward, but you want them to feel heard. Anything that they are telling you about their wedding is a decision they've already made, and they made it by, for a reason. So anybody they're already working with, any place they've chosen, their date, all of these things are intentional. And the more you can be happy about it, excited about it, acknowledge it, the more you will be seen as already listening to them. That matters a lot in that first impression. Think about it. Um, and it's worth taking a few extra minutes. It only takes me five extra minutes to personalize that email before I hit send, because the template is already And... Yeah, by the way, that's something I work a lot with my coaching clients on is getting all those templates done and, and personally, you know, getting it all ready for what it is that you need and figuring out what your workflow is and your process. Um, with that, no personality comment, a lot of the things they were saying that it was abrupt, there was no effort to be friendly or welcoming, didn't seem excited about our wedding, didn't seem to be patient to listen to our needs. Um, they were pushy you know that people were assuming that that first inquiry is essentially i want to book you don't be pushy about that think about what it is that they're asking um make sure that you know one of the great things templates are great on is that you can make sure that your grammar and your spelling is taken care of up front but as you're personalizing you have to make sure that you're not messing that up too so be be professional attention to details matters a great deal um People were commenting that they got the name wrong, date of the wedding wrong, details wrong. You just can't do that when you're answering.
1: Oh, um, what a nightmare.
0: <laughs> isn't it crazy? Because, I mean, this is the first impression. Um, also, do not assume that it's going to be a bride and a groom. Don't. You know, ask about their partner's name, um, all of that stuff. And there's there's no reason. now the word fiance is different male or female with an extra E most people don't notice. And they're not going to think much of it. If you just say, what's your fiance's name? Um, it's still better than saying what's his name or her name and making an assumption. Just don't and let them say something. So okay, um, I have a
1: question. Yeah. <laughs> so I, English is in my first language. So I say, Hey guys, a lot. And yeah. you guys, you know, so I, I wanted to ask, so what, how is that? Can I say, hey, guys, is that a not a good thing?
0: You know, to be honest, that was actually a habit that I worked breaking a couple of years ago for exactly that reason. Um, I found myself saying that a lot in my emails and in person. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to do that. And so I try really hard. I've, I've broken that habit and I don't say it in front of anybody anymore, um, whether it's a straight couple or not. Um, I think I think it's just easier not to. Now, what I did is I found myself substituting you two. Or you all. And that is a great way to do it because you two actually feels more personal anyway, because you are focused on the two of them than you then you guys, Um, you know, you all in terms of, you know, if you're thinking about more the whole family or the whole group, I'm going to work with you all to to figure this out. Um, think about what you're trying to express. There's times I wish I was a Texan or a Southerner. I could say y'all because I think that y'all is actually a really great word, but it'll be really disingenuous for me.
1: Yeah. Imagine if I said that, they'd be like, that'd exactly. be great.
0: You'd be like, where are you from? <laughs> yep. Yep. Y'all and all y'all is a bigger group apparently. So, but, um, but no, that's a super good question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, I think that that you will be amazed as you start to be very aware of how often you say it and use it. Um, I got it out of all my template emails and I realized how often I was using it. Um, and so, yeah, just be conscious of it for a little bit and you can start to break the habit. But okay. just you- say you two or you both. Um, that's often a great way, a great substitute for it.
1: I usually, whenever I email anything that's written, I don't say, Hey guys, but mm-hmm. it's just my, me when I, when I talk, but when I do emails, I say, Hey, and then their first names or Hey, lovebirds or Hey friends. It's like the, the brand that we're trying to, to perfect. Yeah.
0: Perfect. It definitely needs to fit your voice. And that I think is very important. And that actually is just in this stage. It has to fit you, um, because you're setting the tone for how they're going to see you. And it needs to be you. If you can't keep up with that, it doesn't make sense. Um, but also think about what you're saying. You know, the One of the things that couples said a lot is the whole, congratulations on your engagement. Please stop opening your emails with that. They're annoyed by it. It's, they hear it constantly. And remember, depending on when they get to you, they may have been engaged for 6, 10 months by now. And so they're not thinking congratulations on your engagement anymore, right? Yeah. And so yeah just and so it 's a waste of a sentence it 's not it's not anything anymore
1: what, um I want to ask then what do you think not really started, but some of our templates say you finally found us woohoo or something like that yeah is that better than
0: <laughs> and that's totally that's totally okay. good too All right. absolutely um you know i found i when I made the move to pixify over this past off season. I used it as a really good opportunity to update a lot of my templates to again be more my voice and to be more I mean I'm still professional but I'm not formal. And so couples come to me because they want a ceremony that is about them and lighthearted and meaningful and touching, not solemn. I'm not I'm not a solemn person. And so I found that it was important to think about what those emails from the very start are saying about me from my voice. And because that's, I want to attract the people and get excited, the people. So I'm even at the point where like at the end of it, I'm like, if this made you nod and get even more excited about your ceremony, then let's meet and let's do this, you know, kind of thing. And so um, I found myself a little bit more casual uh, on, on Instagram. I use hashtag I marry awesome couples. That's one of the things I do all the time. And I started to actually just use that and be blunt. I'm like, I marry awesome couples. And if they kind of look at me, I'm like, if you're not, I have no interest in marrying you, you know, and they're surprised. But it's like, hey, if you're not fantastic together, I'm not your person. And, um, and I think I've just become much more, I guess, owning it a little bit more, owning who I am and what business I want um, a little bit more bluntly. And so um, my template emails have changed for that. Now, there's no doubt if you're running a business where you have multiple people, you kind of can't do that the same way. It's really important to think about if you have four different videographers that you are booking out, you need to be sure that that the personality and style fit for the whole team of you um, because you don't want that that person they're working with then ends up disappointing them if they're very different of what they expected. So just think about who you are and what your business is and what the, the tone you want to set is. But again, it has to be genuine to you. I'm not an overly serious formal person. That's just not who I am. And so it would be very fake for me to kind of do things that way anyway. So um, be, be you. Um, also, it's important to answer any questions they have. Like, are they asking you anything? Did they ask for a quote? Did they ask anything? You know, have you done a wedding at this place before? Whatever it is that they're maybe asking in that initial email, make sure your answer. Now, Again, go back to the pricing. If you can't give them a direct answer, you can absolutely say that. But you need to tell them why and what it is that you need. You know, I absolutely would love to be able to talk pricing with you. Actually, there's three things that I need to know before I can even mention pricing. You know, I need to know where your wedding is. Let's say they didn't tell you. I need to know how many hours that you wanted. And I needed to know, you know, how, you know a few other different options that you might want to add on that you didn't even know existed. Just let them know what it is that you need to know. And so then they are not feel like you're ignoring it or bypassing the question that you're going to be completely transparent with them about pricing once you can actually be transparent. Um, fill them in.
1: Okay. Because for us, we always ask where the wedding's going to be, what the date is, and I think the number not, – not really the number of hours. But yeah, it's more importantly the date and where it is going to be because exactly. our prices vary from there.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it's super important to know, but answer them you know, um, you have to remember that, that this stage is the beginning of building trust and building a relationship. They need to feel like you're actually paying attention to them and that you will be transparent about how you're going to work with them. Um, this is also about affirming that they made a great choice in reaching out to you. So you want that they were attracted by whatever it is that you were expressing on all the things that they saw about you. This is your chance to kind of reaffirm that. Um, every interaction that they have with you should do that. So remember how this is not just a transaction for them. So they shouldn't see you as pushy and aggressive. They shouldn't see you. They should see you as friendly and excited and um, wanting to get to know them and wanting to talk to them.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to know at least for the wedding vendors out there. It's important to know that, yes, you get like 30 emails every week of inquiries. But these couples, when they send it out, they send it out to like eight people or 10 people. At the most. At the most. And you not answering this one might be a deal breaker because, you know, it's something personal for them.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and I mean, they may only be reaching out to three of you. Um, by the time they reach out to you, they've already narrowed down a lot of your competition that they're not interested in. Um, and so take it as a compliment that they reached out to you. Be appreciative of that. And for the honor of considering you to be part of something so important in their life. And especially what you do. I mean, you capture this for them. And you you allow them to relive those moments for years and decades to come. Some of these people in the video won't be alive much longer. And, you know, think about what you do and, and, and express how you see that as such a huge compliment that they even came to you for that. Um, so that's important. And so that was the second stage. I found that there was kind of this next stage, which is you know when you're sometimes emailing back and forth before you're actually setting up a meeting. So it's not often that that first email, when you reply, they set up a meeting. Sometimes they do, and that's great, but sometimes it takes a little bit more than that. And so those also were falling into buckets that seem very familiar, that you were responding in a generic way, didn't seem like you were willing to help or customize, um, pricing or that you didn't show value, they will, again, pricing is not value. They are two very different things. Um, again, speed and organization and professionalism. This is when you're really starting to show how it will feel to work with you and what kind of a professional you will be, and that they can trust something so important as their wedding in your hands. Definitely fit and style. The errors keep coming up on this, and again, being pushy. They want to feel they matter to you. It should be timely, it should be personal and specific to them. Have your personality. Each interaction you have with them should allow for more personality because they're already reacting positively to whatever you showed. And so it allows you to be more you. So um, don't hard sell. You absolutely can follow up to check in. Um, It's great to be like, I just want to be sure that you got my email. I know sometimes they pop into spam folders. Do you have any more questions? Um, Please, when you're responding in this way, also have empathy. They have a lot on their plates. They not only have a busy life that they already had before, but now they're adding a wedding on top of it. And so I'll often use that. I know my couples have so much on their plates, so I never want to bug you, but I also want to be sure that if you wanted a chance to work with me, that I didn't miss out on that opportunity. So one way that you can use that as a follow-up, by the way, is events that come up. If you're doing any wedding shows, use that as an opportunity to follow up with people. So, hey, I have a booth at this upcoming wedding show. I just want to be sure if you were still interested in potentially working with me, I wanted to set up a meeting because otherwise I, you know, I know that I get a lot more inquiries at the show and I don't want to give that away. Give your date away if you want to still work with me. Um, Again, as we said, engagement season is a specific period of time. You can totally use that as an excuse to follow up as well. That so many, you know, I'm getting a lot of inquiries now from recently engaged couples. So I want to be sure I don't give away your date by accident. Did you want to? So just use it as a chance to actually check in one more time. Again, you're not pushy about it. You're not being aggressive, but you are using a chance to follow
1: up. Go I ahead. have a question. Sure. <laughs> because I just I just realized something. I have Some people I notice have a hard time booking. And since, you know, you're talking about, it has to be like, show your personality. And whenever some people I talk to, they're like, I'm I'm really having trouble booking people. And I'm like, well, I think it's because you sound like you're going to have a flu (laughs) (laughs) by the way you talk. So what's your advice for people who, you know, like antisocial and they have personality, but. They can't really translate it into words.
0: And, you know, and, that, and that's hard because these people have to connect with you. Now, there's no doubt that there will be people that connect with that personality. But yes, you may be limiting yourself as to, as to how many do. Um, I can actually be quite shy, by the way. And while people don't necessarily believe it, I mean, if I walk into a networking event of a room of people I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on the wall. There's just no way I'm going to be approaching people that I don't
1: know. Um, I'm the same. Uh, I'll be in the corner by the bar drinking beer. Exactly. Just, just quiet.
0: Exactly. Um, you know, but what's, also, but what's interesting, if you think about it, you have a reason to talk to people. So I joke that the perfect illustration of my personality is, so I spoke at the WeddingWire networking event in San Jose last year. Um, the way the events work is there's a cocktail hour ish, you know, so there's drinks and some food and people are wandering around chatting with each other. I don't know anybody. I'm not from San Jose. I'm brought up there as a speaker. So I don't know anybody. So it's painful. And I know all the wedding wire team, but their job is to be talking to people. So I'm not going to be talking with them. That's not nice of me. So I'm just kind of hanging out. And then they seat everybody. I speak for 20 minutes on content. And then afterward, everybody's coming over to talk to me. And I'm fine with that. I can absolutely talk to them at that point because I have an excuse to talk to them. So I'm much more comfortable when I have a reason to be talking to people. So my recommendation is think of what that reason is of why you're talking to these people. And if you're actually helping them, right, you're potentially helping them. Think about that. So think about all the good things of why they should work with you and choose you and the benefit that they will be in working with you and keep that in your mind. And so be excited about that. If you're not excited about that, you're probably in the wrong business. Let's be real. And maybe you should have somebody else who's actually sort of doing the selling for you. Let's be honest. Um, And so maybe there's a teammate or a coworker who can kind of do more of that, but you're the behind the scenes, you know, dramatic filmmaker that might be fine but yes you do need to understand that couples have to feel they connect with you especially for those of us who are there on the day of there are different categories right the people who do the behind the scenes and that deliver that cake the cake should be delicious look with how they intended and the delivery person should be friendly and wonderful but you don't need to feel like you want to have a beer with your cake maker it's not that important you're not spending the whole day with them you're videographer, your photographer, your wedding planner, your DJ, you're an officiant. We're the people who are there giving energy on that day and with them. And I think there has to be a different connection with our categories. And so understand that that's how they're seeing it too. They need to be sure that they're comfortable. You're going to follow them around for hours that day. Do they feel a connection? So understand that it's not really about you. It's about them. And hopefully that can help.
1: Actually, that's the thing. Um, I just realized... So Stella, my wife, is the one who meets with the couples and then I just do behind the scenes. I think that's the reason why I love filming is because we don't really need to talk. And like photographers, they're like, "Okay, let's do this and this and this. For me, at least our style is just just let it happen. Yeah. And then we're going to capture it. So less talking for me is better. That's why whenever there's like social events, I just hang out with my friends and not really talk about work because. But now I feel like my mindset is. I'm a business owner and I need to show the other people that I could help them with what I can do. And that's exactly how, that's how that's what brings me out to events and just starting to talk to new people. Whenever I start talking to new people, and ten minutes into a conversation, I'm like, My gosh, I'm really doing it. I'm like yep. so happy. So yeah, that's the it's the mindset that you need to you need to have it is.
0: It is. And if you if you just think about the fact that you're kind of doing them a favor, you are you are helping them in some way, shape, or form, then yes, it's a great thing. And remember, people love answering questions about themselves. So you don't have to go in there and talk a lot. You just have to, you know, they don't want to feel like it's an interview either. But ask questions and ask, you know, to get to know them. And people will appreciate talking about themselves a lot.
1: Okay. Sorry. I
0: not at all. On. Not at all. And so, and, and so that next stage... Um, and you know, is when we have that meeting or site visit or proposal. And so the buckets for those, again, very familiar. First is really pricing and value. If they're not booking you after that, it's because you did not show your value for whatever it is that you're charging. Um that's 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 the important thing to understand that you have to set value. Um customizable and flexibility. It's important that they feel at this stage that they're gonna get what they want and not what you think that they should have. Now, we know that there's a lot of education that needs to happen because we have experience in the business. They do not, but couples need to feel like they are getting what they actually believe that they want and want. Um, reliability and professionalism. They have to feel like they can trust that you're going to be there on the day. You're going to deliver what you say, that they can give you more money than they probably have before, and that they can actually trust that you're going to be a professional and do what you want. Um, Same in speed. You know, if you're taking a long time after a meeting to send contracts and proposals, that matters. You want to be able to get to them quickly, but also not be pushy. Don't be assuming anything. Um, There's always a conversation. Should you bring a contract to a meeting? Should you not? And a lot of couples said they felt very, it was very aggressive um, if it was kind of brought out and they felt like they needed a sign right then and there. I know that it works for some professionals and that's fine. It has to work for your personality. And maybe you can also ask a couple, say, you know, I brought a contract if you want and you can leave it up to them. Personally, I think one of the best things about the CRMs that you use and I use is we say, hey, we have electronic contracts and electronic payments. We're going to send it to you right away. And that way they don't feel that they're being pushed into something and that they can actually take the time to read through it. Um, I, You should definitely set a timeline on that contract and payment, by the way. Make sure you communicate it to them and be fair about it. Um, you want to be fair to them and you. I happen to give my couples two weeks to book me. But I also say that if I'm going to get an inquiry on... That date in the meantime I'm going to let them know and I might ask for an answer sooner I know some officiants and some other professionals who pretty much if it's not a day or the next day or two days later it's pretty much considered that they lost the date I think that that's a little bit short but it's really up to you as to what you think is fair but make sure you communicate that Um, the email that you're sending with that should be personal you know that you're excited to work with them anything you may have talked about specifically about their event make sure that you use it Also, at that stage, it's okay to give help. When you met with them, things might have come up about other categories. If they said to me, hey, we're still looking for a videographer, I'm like, oh, cool. I'll send over some suggestions. I don't hesitate to send that in the email with the contract, even though they haven't booked me yet. I'm still going to be helpful. That's part of who I am. And yes, could they take that and never book me? Of course. But that's the least of my worries. If I didn't show value and they don't want to book me, my already giving them other recommendations is not going to be. Instead, I want to be helpful in who I am. Um, Also, yes, make it easy to sign a contract and pay you. You and I use electronic systems and that's huge. The number of people I know who do not take credit cards because they don't want to pay merchant fees, I'm sorry, that's a cost of doing business. Make it easy to give you money. Um, I had one couple who told me that they actually had to go get checkbooks from their bank account for their wedding professionals because their wedding pros didn't take anything other than checks. They were thrilled that I took PayPal. Um, and so I do PayPal credit card, or I tell them if they want to Venmo me, feel free. I get couples Venmo me money all the time, make it easy for them to pay you. Um, and then I also recommend that you follow up before that contract expires to check in. So make sure that you, uh, and by the way, have a system that actually allows you to have a contract expiring. You do not want that you send a contract to a couple you never hear from them. And then three months later, they sign it when you've already given that date to another couple. So you want to be sure that that contract expires and that they cannot book you beyond that because you have to be able to run your business in a, in a professional way. Um, and then one of the other things that came up, uh, I asked, I asked beyond these stages, any overall advice do they have and any, what else would have helped you actually book when, what else would have helped. They definitely talked about add-ons, you know, if you think about are there things that you can give as part of your package that don't really cost you anything, but are seen of value to them? You know, can you add on an extra hour? Can you add on another DVD for the parents, you know, whatever it is that maybe there's something that you're excited about, you enjoy then it's like, you know, that you could actually add on. Um, They definitely came up about discounts, but it's remember that it's about discounts versus negotiating. The difference is that, discounts are for a set reason. Like we talked about Friday night weddings might be cheaper than Saturday night weddings or January weddings might be different than July weddings um, or barely close to your house might be different than further. Those are discounts. Negotiating is because someone asks for less money. I would always recommend that you instead, at that point, you ask them, but well, what would you like to give up? What part of the package isn't needed? And then we can talk about what that price of the new package would be. You're putting it back on them not that you're willing to take less money for the same amount of services. Um, Or what add-on could you do? They still pay the same, but you could throw in something extra and they're seen as excited about it. Um, And having flexibility versus set packages. Again, a lot of couples now want to be sure that they're only paying for what it is that they actually want. So have some flexibility in that. And be personal. Be human. Um, They should be excited about working with you. So... um, and a lot of that is overall what they want you to know. They want you to be professional, they want you to be human and understanding and helpful, flexible, customized with them. Um, they want you to be have speed of follow- up and communication, and they reminded a lot about those website errors actually matter more than you more than you think. And so um, after looking at all those stages, I then, when I presented about this, then talked about the numbers because it's important for you to know what your numbers are stage by stage. And in this case, you need to look backwards. So what you need to do first is think about how many bookings you need in a year. So let's say to make it easy that you need 10 weddings. I wish I could have a living with 10 weddings, but I can't, but let's say you only need 10 weddings. Then what you need to do is say, okay, what is your closing rate? What percentage of people who have meetings with you um, or that you send proposals or do site visits actually book you. Um, in that case, for this example, I use 70%. Personally, I'd be pretty sad if I only had a 70% booking rate for my meetings, but that's okay. That's, you know, so 70%. So if you need 10 weddings and you close 70% of your meetings, that means you need to have 14 meetings, right? 14 meetings, close 70%, you'll get your 10. Then you need to go backward to the next stage. So there's that stage where your email reply. So... Um, because you need to get inquiries, but you also need them to respond to inquiry. There are plenty of people who I reply to their inquiry and I never hear from them again. So that's that different stage. So how many email replies do you need to get 14 meetings? And if you close half of those, so if 50% of the people who are emailing with you move to a meeting, then you need 28 people who are emailing with you. Then you need to look at the previous stage. How many inquiries do you need? So if so if so of the people who actually inquire with you continue to email you, which goes and goes, then you need 56 people to actually inquire. Does that make sense? So you need, therefore, 56 people to inquire to get 10 bookings. It's important to know these numbers because wherever your lowest conversion rate is where you should focus your energy. So if you have only a 40% booking rate of your meetings, well, then you need to look at how you're managing your meetings and is there something you can fix there? If you have the lowest from the, from the emails to the meeting stage, maybe there's something you're doing in those emails and we should talk about that because you're turning them off somewhere along the way and they're not setting up a meeting with you. Or is your first inquiry where you have a problem that they're never even replying to that, then we probably need to look at how you're responding to your inquiries, whether it's a speed thing, whether it's a problems in your emails, et cetera. So it's important to know your numbers by stage so that you know where to focus your efforts to improve that because that's the only way that last number of how many weddings you book is ever going to get better is you fix one of the conversion rates for the previous stage and then track those track what you're doing make changes track to see if it works any better and um and then continue to make changes you also need to know your other numbers obviously and that's google analytics so how many people are coming to your website um Where are they dropping off? Are they even going to your contact form and then never submitting? That's important to know too, because maybe your contact form is annoying them. So those are the other numbers, yes. Um, But once they reach out to you, it's important to know these four different stages and your three conversions in between, and then you know what to focus on.
1: I think that's what stops small business owners from progressing and growing their business is because anything that involves numbers, they're kind of like, me included, we were very... I don't know, allergic to numbers that even you know, the prices for our service is something that, oh, I'll, I'll just put this number up there and it's just going to last for three years and we're going to forget that, oh, crap, we need to raise our prices.
0: Exactly. Are you making a profit on that? Does that actually make sense? And how did you set that price? I totally agree with you. And, you know, and sometimes that's one of the reasons that working with somebody externally um, can help because we can look at your numbers in a different way for you. But I agree. You know, I, um, Every year, to tell you the truth, I add on a different number I look at. It didn't even occur to me to go through and look at what the average is of how many months out people book me. I had a sense of it, but I didn't know. I also decided to look at how many inquiries I get or how many bookings I get each month. Not the weddings each month, but... Like, am I doing a lot of inquiries and meetings in October along with a lot of weddings? You need to be thinking about that because some of your months that might be already busy with weddings are also some of your busiest inquiry months. Because if you think about if the average engagement is something along the lines of, let's say, 15 months or 12 to 15 months, well, if they're getting married in October, they're probably getting engaged in June and reaching out to you. It is, You know what I mean? So you need to think about when people are reaching out because you can't be not answering inquiries at the same time you're busy with weddings. Otherwise, next year when that time comes around, you have no weddings. So you need to be constantly focused on all of the aspects and stages of your business. And sometimes looking at your numbers helps that. So every year I add on a different... So in addition to my CRM, which is hugely important for my sanity, I also keep spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are my friend because I think you can analyze in a different way. So um, I make sure I also put on my spreadsheet how they found me. Because my database and my CRM can only take one answer. But I know that sometimes when they inquire, they'll say, yeah, we read your reviews on WeddingWire and our wedding planner told us about you. Well, I want to make sure I have both of those in there and my CRM can only handle one. So when it comes time for me to renew WeddingWire, I can go through and see how many I actually got from WeddingWire and know if that's an answer that I should say yes to. You don't want to make emotional decisions about a lot of these things on your business. You want them to actually be a real decision. And so you can't know what you don't track.
1: We just started using our CRM's feature on on those things, the charts and the tables. And it just helped us so much with like networking and advertising and marketing our stuff. And it's, it's really, really helpful. Having CRM, I cannot emphasize more. To I totally agree. Yeah, I man. totally agree. It's going to make and, your life easier.
0: And make sure that you're putting decent information in there. Like, I make sure that I put who the vendors are on that wedding if I know them. Um, and, like you said, for relationships, it's great. I know who to reach out to for pictures. I also know who to reach out to to get to know better because if I did five weddings last year with you as a videographer, I should probably get to know you better because we clearly have the same ideal client, right? So it's important that people you're tending to see over and over again at the same weddings, you get to know them better because you're attracting the same kind of client. And so and that's somebody that you want to develop a better relationship with. I actually, my most recent article on the WeddingWire EDU blog, the pro blog, was on relationships and how they can help with your ideal couple cycle. And so uh, go check out that article on relationships on the pro blog on WeddingWare.
1: So um, where are we? I lost my notes. (laughs) (laughs) No worries at all.
0: No worries at all. And, you know, and the last things that that I talked about is because a question I get a lot is how do you kind of take cold prospects and kind of turn them into things? And, and as I mentioned earlier, you can use, Certain times of the year, certain events is a great excuse to follow up again. Um, So, But one of the important things to remember is, especially if you happen to have met them at a time that isn't, how do I want to put this? So if you think about having a booth at a wedding show, there are couples at that wedding show that are in all stages of their wedding planning. They may have just gotten engaged. They may be right before their wedding or somewhere in between. They may have seen you and liked what you had to say, but they weren't really ready for you. And so it's making sure that you're following up with them because they just weren't ready for what you were doing at the time. Um, there also are the fact that if you think about the, that a lot of couples have plans but aren't firm yet and they need to firm things up. So being following up in a casual way is a great thing. Um, I know a lot of couples postpone things over the holiday season, certainly. And that's why there's also January weddings inquiries because they're like, oh, I agree." stopped at Thanksgiving. I was too busy. And um, so understand that they just may be out of sequence. So it's completely up to you as to how you do it, following up with them one-on-one. Do you have a a newsletter that you put together with some advice? Um, Do you want to do just a small email trip campaign of three emails with different advice based on what it is that you do and see if that helps? Think about what it is that you do, but find some way to connect with them until they're either ready for you or they're done with you. And you may be surprised at getting a few more of those weddings, too.
1: I just remembered we don't do bridal shows anymore. Because, wedding shows. Oh, wedding shows. Because um, <laughs> we, don't, oh, we don't do wedding shows anymore because whenever we get someone who approaches us and asks us, like, how much our service is and blah, blah, blah. And then we ask him what's your venue? When's your date? And they're like, we don't know yet. So it didn't really work out for us because we couldn't really send them a brochure because we don't know if we're double booked that day or, you know, stuff like that. It didn't really work out for us. But we had an email, a list from the wedding show that we followed up and some of them, they responded, but they didn't really go through with the booking because I think it's because of the the quality of the, the show and there's uncertainty with the date and the venue
0: i think it's super important for you to take a look at the at the show itself because um some wedding shows have been very very good for my business and some have been a total waste of my time and so i think it's really important to analyze the show who their who their people are um it's also hard you know the, there's certain wedding show people who say hey we we have the high-end show and i'm like you know, I actually talked to the same person as I talked to at the other show two weeks earlier. So it's not necessarily always the case, but it is important to actually look at the show itself, what your success is. Um, I think for people who are newer in business, it's a great thing to do. It's a great way to to, to really hone your pitch about what you do and how you do it because you have to get used to talking about it. It's a great way to meet other vendors um, walking the show. I absolutely hate when vendors just come to the show to walk around. But if you're a fellow booth person, it's a totally different story. And so usually you can walk around beforehand as people are finishing setting up and say hi and chat. Um, and so that also can be a really a, a benefit. I totally understand about, about the not having date and that kind of drives me crazy at a time, but I still send them an email and say, hey, as you're setting a date, get in touch with me. Um, and so I still send an email to everybody that I talk to um, at the show I send him an email that very night and, um, and then, um, I usually follow up one more time and that's it. Um, but I know for some, again, it's so much by category for me, because I'm a very specific officiant, only non-religious, non-traditional couples, um, and I'm more expensive are going to be my fit. And so me following up with a whole list isn't, does not make sense. On the other hand, the Rolls-Royce guy says they get way more business from just following up with a list than they do even just from the show itself. And so I think it just depends on what you do and who you can cover. Um, Yes, you want people who are attracted to your style, but technically you could still work with pretty much any wedding, whether it was a formal church wedding or a backyard wedding or anything. They just have to appreciate what it is that you do and your style. And so um, I wouldn't write them off completely at all. And it just depends. So I find that most venue shows are not necessarily worth my while. Of course, I'm about to do three of them in the upcoming couple of weeks. But it's because it's venues that I either really like a lot, and I really like their couples, or I have found that their couples just so work for me. So there's a winery nearby here that I just love their couples. Their couples are so my fit. And I've, last year, I think I ended up with five weddings booked from that show. Way better than a big show that I had done and uh, that I only got one couple from. So it just depends on who the couples are who are coming as to whether they are your style or not um, and why you're doing it. So um, I would not write them off completely. Okay. But I would understand that the, that the follow-up strategy is very different than somebody who just inquires off your website.
1: Uh, for the record. Yes. <laughs> for the record, <laughs> we're talking about vendors going to bridal shows. We go wedding to shows. Uh, wedding shows. <laughs> we go to wedding shows because I want to bring my wife to uh, the venues that we normally film at because right. she doesn't really um, go to the venues. She always stays in the office and talks to the couples. Right. Yeah, see, couples. Very well, <laughs> see? <laughs> and then, um, so we do that. And then we go to the shows because we want to show support to the other. Vendors. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, you know, sometimes I don't really want to deny the caterer if they really want me to taste their their sandwich. <laughs> So I'll do that. That is too. so thoughtful of you. See? See? Um, no, I
0: agree fully. And and one I'm doing this weekend is because it's a new a new venue and it's uh the people there are people that we know from other venues and their sister property is one that we do weddings at. So yeah, I'm gonna go to support. Um um but there's others where you know, again, you, you, you have to figure out your value of your time and are some of these worth your time? Forget what a booth costs. Um, you need to actually think about what your time and effort is worth um, on a week. It's often on a weekend day that you could have had time off because you didn't have a wedding. So, um, but it's important to judge them one by one. But yes, I would say, look at the couples. That is the most important thing. And then you'll know if you're likely to get bookings from it.
1: Okay. Never write them off. Let me just write that down. Never there you out. go. Okay.
0: Awesome. And so yeah, I think that uh hopefully this is a lot of actionable tips that people can, can can go with and run with and that hopefully lead to more bookings for them.
1: That's great. This is um I can't believe it. I didn't even notice that we were talking for such a long time. <laughs> this is amazing. I've been learning so much. So Good. Personally, I want to, I guess, from my experience, whenever it comes to couples inquiring or I feel like you have to focus on the experience of the customer, which is still going to be. Let me know what you think about this. But I feel like the customer experience has to be the number one priority, which is will always go back to your brand. As long as the customer experience is there, they wouldn't want to leave. We get low budget inquiries. And once they come in the office, I know that they're about to book. And these are low-budget couples, but then our prices are maybe, like, higher mid. So when they come in and they we show them our videos and we show them our prices, surprisingly, they book. And they book, like, the higher-up packages. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, don't write them off. And just make sure that the experience is always there from the first day that they contact you to the... Here's one thing I learned from someone. He said, never quit until they say no. Yep. So as long as they're not responding, that means it's a maybe.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, you don't want to be seen as totally bugging them and, and and a pain. You don't want to get that reputation around the community either. But I fully agree with you. And you have to remember they have a lot on their plates and they have a lot on their minds. and And they're trying to find the right value for them. And yes, the more they feel comfortable that they could work with you and excited to work with you. Um, You never know when it's going to come back.
1: Sweet. Also don't forget that these couples, they already filter out people before they contact them. So don't take them for granted. Exactly. Never.
0: And yeah, make sure it's a business you want and the clients that you want to work with. And that makes a difference.
1: Yes. So with that, I want to thank you. Actually, let's tell the listeners how they can um, contact you if ever they have any questions or if you have anything, whatever you're up to right now.
0: Absolutely. So if you want to reach out to me as a coach, that website is elevatebybethel.com. So E-L-E-V-A-T-E by B-Y, Bethel, dot com. And as an officiant, if you want to check out what I do, it's Ceremonies by Bethel. Um, People tend to work with me one-on-one and whether it's a single two-hour brainstorming session of what they could do differently in their business and we meet via Zoom no matter where they are and then they run with it or you can do a series of one-hour sessions with me and then you have homework in between and you come back and uh, we talk about the next step and we kind of go through it and that way you have accountability. So some people just want to run with something themselves and others want the accountability and that's, uh, that's where we stand. I've also been thinking about launching something. This is just in the thinking stage now to help specifically with a communication plan. So for people who maybe want me to review their templates or think about what their communication plan is, I'm probably going to put something specific in there. But if they want to be on my email newsletter list, just go to my website. And at the bottom, they can uh, join my newsletter. And I send out articles and posts and tips and app suggestions and all sorts of different content that hopefully is useful to people in their businesses. And if you want to find me on Instagram, all of it's in one place. It's just at Bethel Nathan, my first name, last name, no dot, no anything. Just at Bethel Nathan. And I share weddings and coaching and personal stuff all in one place.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much. So there you have it. Now that you have a better understanding of how people feel about every aspect of the way you communicate with them, I hope this will help you a lot. I'd love to know how this episode was for you. So feel free to reach out if you have any questions or suggestions. I'm throwing all these information goldness for free, so I'd really appreciate it if you helped me by subscribing, rating, or leaving a review. Thanks so much to those who already did it. Thanks for listening. It means the world to me. Watch out for the next episode of the Wedding Video Boss Podcast. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. Boss Man out.